today. We're not going to be afraid of this at all. You and I are going to get into the Word. We are starting a brand new series today, and I am excited about it. It's, um, it's one I've been working on for, a, for quite a while. It, 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 it takes us down a path that I think will be a surprise for a lot of you because it's really almost, um, I've, I've done it before, but it's, it's, it's just the 2016 version of it. And uh, so I just want you to repeat it with me, please, and just, just say it with, 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 with strength and power and confidence. Say, I am, I am building, building a, future. a future. Say it again. Come on, say, I am, I am building, building a future. This, for the next several weeks, maybe as many as eight weeks, we're going to spend the, probably the rest of the year plowing through this concept. Because I believe all of us are building a future. As a matter of fact, the big question today is, are you really clear that you, not me, are building your future? That's the one question for the whole day I want you to think about. If I've done my job today, when you leave here, that's what you'll think about. You'll look in the mirror and say, I am really clear that what I do today, what actions I take today will build me a future tomorrow. And I want you to think with me about how you do that. We're going to spend time talking over the next several weeks, how you do it, what can cause your future to change, what you can do today. And, and let me say this, one of the big mistakes you make is you think you're a certain age and you have no future. That is not true. You are, you are convinced, some of you, that your life is over because you are a certain age. And I just don't believe that. I think you need to put on your specs and look again. Come on, say amen. I think you need to, I think you need to look at your life differently. I think you need to take, take, take a moment and say, just because I'm 60 or just because I'm 70 or just because I'm whatever age doesn't mean I can't have a future. You're going to live for 10 more years, 20 more years. What will that be like? Healthy or unhealthy? What, what can you do to change? What can you do today at 80 years old or 90 years old? What can you do today if you're going to live another 10 or 15, 20 years? And I want you to be clear. This is about your life, not mine. I always see people mess up their life and get mad with you because you can't fix it. That's my marriage. It's my wife. My, those are my kids. That's, this, is, this is the church that I pastor. Sometimes I tell pastors, don't go spend your life admiring somebody else. Go fix your own house up. You walk around the mall, talk about how clean it is. Go clean your house up. <laughs> At some point, you need to pause. If there's something about getting to that place where you get that. And if you, if you get that, I'm clear. So... I want to start with five things that I think can help you build a future. So I'm going to jump right in this and give you five things that you can do. I'll come back to these concepts later, but just five things that you can do that can help you build a future. Number one, know where you are. Say that with me, please. Come on. Knowing where you are is the key. Knowing where you are is how it all starts. And that takes courage. When you go to the mall, if you want to find a store in those big malls, they have a little sign and it says, here's where you are. And they're trying to get you acclimated so you'll know this is where you are and that's where you need to go. Second thing you want to do is know how to connect the dots. Someone say, knowing how, knowing how to, connect to connect the dots. If you want to build a future, that's the key. And notice all of these are about knowing. All this is about knowing. 
Knowledge is how it all starts. A lot of things you'll never do because you don't know. It, it's understanding this. It, it's putting it in perspective. There's something really healthy about just understanding family. Some things just come with being married. Some things just come with children. Some things just come with working. Some things just come with being a woman or a man or being 40 or being 20. So knowing how to connect all those dots, this is what happens when you're 58. This is what happens when you're 68. And when you can connect the dots, you get it right. That's what makes me, it's been amazing sometimes when I consult. <laughs> I, you know, I just see it because I've done it. I'm not like super wise. I just kind of, I've had a car. So when it makes that boom sound, I know that needs to go to the shop. That's not, a, you know, that's, I remember one time Ricky was driving um, his car, a car and he said, uh, he was at college. And so I, I was speaking, at, he was at Georgia Southern. And, and I would go speak once a month there for a group that, uh, for about, I've been there for eight years. And Ricky, when he was in college, he, he said, Dad, this light came on in my car. And it said something about, it. What, is that, what does that mean? I said, what light, Ricky? He said, this light right here. I said, how long has it been on? Oh, a little while. I said, engine check, son. It's, it's time to go to the shop. But that's not because I'm super wise. I just, I've had that before. So knowing I knew how to connect those dots. A lot of times in my life, I, and I had to forgive myself for this, I didn't know how to connect the dots. I didn't have a clear picture of what to do. I, I think when you're the first generation of wealth, for example, in your family, you never had $50,000, $20,000, or $30,000, whatever it is you make. And if you come into wealth or you come into position, you come into power, you don't always know how to manage it. The disadvantage, if I can be ethnic for a minute, for African Americans sometimes, is they haven't had the wealth long enough. They don't understand simple principles. Can I give you one that's really interesting? Do you know that in a lot of settings, people know they're going to die so they leave, now don't take this wrong, don't they? oh, he's trying to get our insurance money. No, I'm not. <laughs> but there are people, I did it in my will. I said, they're, in, they're, they're nonprofit organizations that I want to support. So I'm not just giving all the money to my children and to my wife. I said, I'm going to give this much to a school. I'm going to give this much. And I, but that's how they think. And that's why they have generational wealth. Because people leave endowments. People say, I want to be a part of this when I'm gone, when I'm dead and gone. Howard Hughes did an amazing thing when he died. Howard Hughes is still today helping people, his organization. Years ago, millions of dollars was left, and that money has grown and has touched and, and caused all kinds of wonderful things to be done around the world to help people because he thought beyond his life. And I think it's really important that when, when you connect those dots, that's how you build the future. That's why I'm really excited now because I think I've connected some dots, some business dots, some spiritual dots, money dots. I got it. I'm clear now. Third thing that you need, if you're going to build a future, you need to know how to embrace a new culture. Come on. Say how to embrace a new culture. Come on, say, say knowing how to embrace a new culture. The world is changing. Right now, there are hundreds of people watching from home. That's a new cultural reality that churches are fighting tooth and nail because they want to fuss at all of you that, that aren't here in the building. And I want you to know, I want you to come to sometime, be nice to have you in the building. Everybody say amen. amen. See, they want you to come. But I can't ignore the fact that hundreds 
can't come, too far to come, something got in the way of coming, so I need to embrace that culture. And so if I can't embrace the culture, if I fight it, then I'm in trouble. Right now, there's a shift happening in the world. And, and I want to tell you, no matter what you think, it's smart. We bought a bunch of land around us. We were going to build a big building. But we are not facing what some of the big box companies are now facing. They overbuilt. And Amazon, have you ever bought anything on Amazon? I was buying something from a, my, uh, some, uh, some, some little, uh, little cream I buy sometimes for me. It makes me look good. And I bought this little cream. And this thing was, this thing was $95 to buy it. Yeah, it was. That's when you know, make me look real good, right? For $95. I went on Amazon. I bought it for, for, for $60. I said, I'm going to where? Amazon. Praise the Lord Jesus. That's where I'm going. A lot of things you buy at different price, uh, cheaper price. I used to go to bookstores. I haven't been in a bookstore, and I don't know when. Do you know why I don't go in a bookstore? Because I can download my books. Oh, let me show you. Let me show you. You want to be nosy? Watch out. The preacher going, I'm going to flash right about now. Hold on for a second. Let me show you what I do. Pastor Rick does not have time. Oh, I guess I got to put it back online, right? Watch me. I'm so bad. This is awesome. Aren't you impressed with your preacher? Watch out, people. Bam. Camera. Zoom in on that. Them is my books, people. Right there. I got 500 books on here. Come on, say amen. amen. And it switches between all my devices. It's on my phone. It's everywhere. I can hit the button. Bam. Watch that. And I'm in the book. Right like that in a second. Well, that, yeah, there you go. Go in, there you go, bam, there you go. And I'm reading just like that. You can't see it because it's, it's lights in here. But I'm reading all because, all because of technology. So th what does that mean that I don't go to buy books in a bookstore anymore that cost me $40 and I can buy them for nine? Come on, say, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? And some of you say, I got to hold a book, hold it. <laughs> I'm changing. And it's a shock to the culture. When I was getting my master's degree, I found some books. You'll love this. I found books that were online that I can find digital books that, that I could use and cite. And if you know what all that means, because you have to cite what page number and who said what, because you have to cite everything or you get bad grades. So I, I found a lot of books now. You can, they, have, they have all the things you need to cite, all APA format, all that stuff. Everything was there. All I had to do, all I had, it was... It was a $90 book or a $40 book? What do you think I bought? $40 book. So I have to embrace a new culture. I can't run from it. It makes studying easier. It makes sermon preparation easier. All my notes are in one place. All my things are in one place. I'm, I'm, I'm quicker. I'm faster. When I travel, I don't have to lug as much. I used to carry a whole suitcase full of books. Not anymore. And so I need to know, know how to do that. So knowing where you are, come on, say knowing where you are, knowing, where you are. knowing how to connect the dots, knowing how to, the dots. Knowing how to embrace a new culture, embrace watch this now, and knowing what intimidates your culture. Some things offend you. Will your culture permit you to grow? Sometimes if you're not careful, you get locked into one culture, one way of thinking, and you can't grow. You can't get past where you are because of the way you think. Your culture literally pushes, pushes back at you and says, no, you can't do this. And so sometimes you have to admit, this is intimidating me. Email, technology, all the things you're saying. But if you're not careful, that stops you from having the kind of future. See, we're talking about building a future. And so you can't run from building a future. 
They're just things you have to face. I have to face. And I faced some really hard things recently. I can't let you be broke, church. I can't let you not have, church. I can't let you, I can't let you back up. I got to challenge you to go forward. I have to find a way to help people. I can't just get up here and preach. Our church can't be just about this. We got to have some things we can point to. When I walk in those rooms and see those rooms full of supplies for the schools, I go, yeah, you go. When I see people going over to help people that are sick in foreign countries, I say, there you go. I need to point to something. Don't just exist. There's something about being really clear about what intimidates me. And I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm, I, tend, I'm, I, I, I can be intimidated a little bit for a second or two until I remember what God's word said unto him that's able to keep me from falling. I'm intimidated until I remember what the Bible says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, God, I feel no evil because thou art what? With me. I'm intimidated for just a minute when I remember that I walk by faith and not by When I remember that a couple of seconds later, I'm all right. And so every night, you ought to be excited to say amen if you hear me. Come on, come on, say amen. You ought to be, that's a good hallelujah moment right there. And then lastly, number five, we'll talk about the rest of the day. Not only knowing where you are, knowing how to connect the dots, knowing how to embrace new culture, knowing what intimidates your culture. But number five, last one, knowing what you are sowing and have sown. Knowing what, I'm, what am I presently doing? And so I want to talk about that in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 is where I want to go. And I, I'm going to just kind of give you the quick outline of where I'm headed. I want to talk about, I want to look at several angles of this. Because remember, if you know what you're sowing, what you're putting in the soil of your life, what you're planting, then you know what you're growing. If you look back and get honest and say, I did not sow enough savings. I did not sow enough education. I did not sow enough time working on my health. I didn't sow, I didn't sow enough time. So now I, I need to be honest. I'm here because of what I did. So now I need to look at what I'm doing. And so let's look at your sowing days. Then let's look at your current location. Where are you currently in your life? Then I want to look at what you can do to build a, a better future. And then I want to look at what can determine your future. There are certain things that can determine it. So number one, let's look at your sowing days, Galatians 6 and 7. Now here's how you know this verse. You know this verse to say this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. That's the way you've heard this verse all of your life. But there's a wonderful version called the message version, which breaks everything down into a very contemporary language. And here's how it says, and I put this in your notes. Don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, harvest a crop of weeds all he'll have to show for his life is what weeds but the one who plants in response to God letting God's spirit do the growth work in him important statement spending enough time with God so that God can grow something in you see the future that God wants for you has to first grow in you and sometimes it takes years to get you to a place where you let it grow in you. The way you go pursue love is not the way God wants you to pursue love. Until you wait on him and let him grow it in you. The right kind of view. The right approach. You meet a guy. 
you sleep with a guy, you meet a girl, you sleep with a girl, you love a girl, then you break up with a girl. All right, then you go back and do the same thing all over again. This is love. This is your love life. This is your story. You can do it that way, or you can let God grow another way in your life. And there's something about letting him do that in you. I love that statement. Letting God's spirit do the growth work. Can you read that with me, please? Come on. Letting God's spirit do the growth work in him. What happens to that person is they harvest a crop of real life, eternal life. Something grows in them that's different and strong. So here's some questions for you to think about. What are you sowing in your, for example, financial life? Or present tense. Just a couple of questions. Number two. What are you, right now, are you sowing in your future marriage? In your marriage right now, what, will, what are you planting? Strife, tension, difficulty, not speaking, sleeping in separate bedrooms, playing a little, you know, maybe the night game, maybe not the night game, you know, teasing each other, lollipop, living like a lollipop, maybe, maybe not, who knows, be good, never know, that, that whole game you play. And you just live in this little cycle, mad about money, mad about the kids, mad about the, your mama, your daddy, that's your, now where do you think this is going to lead you? I tell couples, you are on the road to divorce. You are on a road that's going to end. So is this, is this what you want? If it's not, then let's this, this look at what you, you are sowing for a minute. Here's another question. You ready? What did you sow dropping out of school? So some of you can say, oh, man, I, I can tell that story, Pastor Brick. I sow, I, I, um, I sowed something I shouldn't have sown. I mean, I really did. I, I sowed something, Pastor Rick, I should not have sown. I, I sowed something that I am sorry I did. What, what did you sow by being romantically active so young just go back and play it in your mind and say was that the best decision I know it was fun it's always fun right then but what did you sow into your life by being so in love at 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 and 16 didn't think about school didn't think about education in college you went to college and found a man a woman right so how did that work for you just think about that for a minute and just think about how it distracted your life, distracted your mind, created crisis that you still regret today. Sometimes, if you're honest, it's what you did sow that caused this. What did you sow by ignoring your parents' warnings? Parents told you things and you ignored it. What did that do in your life? Just think about that. What kind of future did it create? Here's one. You ready? What did you carve in the minds of people that interact with you? People that know you, that deal with you every day, what did you say and you carved your name in them? When they say your name, they go, oh, man. But if you're honest to God, you cuss them so well, you, 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 I want you to remember me. <laughs> Cut me in the line if you want to. I want you to remember me, praise God. What did you carve? What was carved in your mind when they looked at you and said, you are the most trifling, ugly. What, what did they carve? <clears throat> you know something, I just want, I, just as a sidebar, I've always been amazed at people um, who do this. And, and, and when they meet you, they greet you by your flaws. Boy, your hair don't look the same. Really? 
Hello. <laughs> Good to see you after five years. And it's just, it's, they, they, what, what they're doing, and I, they, they, they're car, they carve, they carve something in people. I, I know you got to speak the truth, and there are times I have to speak the truth to people, and it's painful. But, but, but I, I don't want to just do that without thought. There are times you got to say something tough. I get that. You know, you got to make an employer need know. you got to come to work on time, and you can't work here. I want you to be real clear about that. Love you. You know, I do. Every now and then I had to give that speech, and, and I mean it with love, but I mean it. And there's something about being careful that you haven't carved in people's minds things that you didn't want to carve. Last one. What did you build into your future that after years of sowing, what did you build into your future after these years of sowing? When I think about what I've done, I have to admit, you created this, Rick. You created this, and now, now what you need to do is say, okay, I got that. Let's look at where I'm at, and let's go to another place. And that's what you see in Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, God is looking at Abraham, and he's saying, okay, let me show you where you are, and here's the first thing I've got to do, change your location. He says, I've got to move you to a new place. You're not in the right nation. You're geographically in the wrong place. I've said this a lot in the last few weeks, but he was in the wrong location. Sometimes the blessings of God cannot, cannot help you where you are in your thought process. You are here. You need to move from 10th Street to 50th Street. You are not in a blessable place. Your temperament is not blessable. Your attitude towards work is not blessable. Your attitude towards women is not blessable. He will never be able to bless you because every man looks like a prospect to you. Everybody you meet is a potential client. You're trying to sell them something. And as long as you live and think that way, you, you, you have an aroma about you that's not blessable. You're too, too short, too quickly offended. No one can, can give you any advice. No, and your employer walks on eggshells or sh shells around you because if they give you a review, how are you going to write that down? See, so get, get security up here. I need security. You got an angry Christian. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, how can you be blessed? You know that I, I watch every sermon I preach. I, I listen to it. Matter of fact, we review all the sermons before I preach them. I have a team. We, we, we talk through the whole thing. And you got to hear some of the things that say, I don't know if I agree with that, Pastor. I don't know if I understand that. I should say, I'm the man of God. I say it's right, you know. But no, there's something healthy about living in a world where you let people talk to you. So, so Abraham's in the wrong nation, and he's with the wrong people. He, he's, he's not with the right people. He's with the wrong people. So here's what he says to him in Genesis 12 and 1. The Lord said to Abraham, get from your what? Country. Are you with me? Get from your what? And your people. And your father's household to the land that I'll show you. I want you to move. You can't live under this authority any longer and, and get what I want you to happen in your life. I have a blessing planned for you, but it can't happen here. Sometimes you're in the, in the wrong place. Sometimes you're in the wrong church. Sometimes you're with the wrong friends. Sometimes you're in the wrong job. Sometimes you're in the wrong city. You have to begin to open your heart and mind and say, am I in the right place or the wrong place? And not be afraid to think about that. And, and don't always wait for God to say, 
you are in the wrong place. You know, somebody asked me the other day, they said, tell me how I can know what my next step is. And this is a smart, wonderful person, and, and, and we're going to have this conversation coming up in a few weeks. And, and, and we were talking, here's what I told him. I said, I want you to remember, God gave Adam an assignment, name the animals. I'm not going to tell you what to call it. What you say it is is what it's going to be. There is a responsibility that you have to name the animals in your life. Don't be afraid to say, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be this or I want to live here. I want to do this. Look at the facts as you can see them and then pray about it. Don't bring God an empty head. I had a professor who used to say, God can't anoint an empty head. <laughs> Dorothy Jean Furlong would always say that. God cannot anoint an empty head. Students, put something in there and God can anoint it. So get a plan. Get a vision for your life. What if it's not God's will? Well, we know what's not God, God's will, nothing. Write something on a piece of paper. Do something. Five things I want to do. Where I want to live. Why I shouldn't live here. And then talk about it. Seek counsel. He had to get him to the right country with the right people. And then he said this. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. And you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. All because you, sir, do the right thing. Now, please understand, all that's tied to things that Abraham could do. He didn't ask him to build a future outside of his ability. So notice, notice three things about Abraham's life that are amazing. First of all, please notice, this is a guy who is in a real relationship with, with God. That, that's something he could control. He was talking to God. Don't be confused. This is the guy who's praying. He's seeking God's will. But as he interacts with God, he then gets guidance. But this is a guy with a real relationship. Do you have one? I didn't say you go to church. I'm talking about a genuine relationship with the living God. If I looked at your habits, your daily life, you didn't read the Bible all week, you didn't pray all week, okay, forget that. Did you, are you at least thinking about him, what he wants? Are you, are you seeking after his will? A genuine relationship. And I want you to think about this. If you say you're married, but you don't talk to them all week, month, you only call when you need something. You, you see, that, that's, not a, that's not the kind of relationship that you get married for or that you date a person for. So notice this, number one, this is a guy, and this is what I call what he can do. What he, this is what you can do. Look at what you can do to build a, great, a better future. Not what somebody else can do. Forget, forget what everybody else can't do, what you don't have, skills you don't have. Forget all that. What can you do? You can have a relationship with God. That, that you can control that. Number two, set a date to act on what you already know. Okay, I need to move. That's what God told Abraham. When you're moving, set the date. All this talk, 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 talk is what gets you trapped. I'm working on being definitive in my actions and my dates. When are you going to act? Thirdly, here's the last one. Believe you are supposed to be blessed. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Believe you are supposed to be blessed. Here's what he said in Genesis 12 and 2. Remember, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. This is him saying this is God's will for your life. I want to bless you. I'm supposed to be blessed. I'm not supposed to be in a place of bondage. I came to this incredible revelation the other day that I think has been powerful. I call my academic mentor, whom I love. He's a smart, smart guy. And we had this great conversation. And I said, I don't believe that churches were ever supposed to have mortgages. 
and that the tithe dollar was supposed to sponsor a mortgage. The only reason that churches carry mortgages is because enough people don't tithe. Because in the average church, it's only one out of ten people that, that honor God consistently in any tithing. And probably only one out of ten give. It's really sad to give a dollar here, a dollar there. And so there's not enough people. Same thing in your family. Your family was never supposed to be in this kind of trouble. But you know why you're there? Because you don't pool together. There's not a common pooling and sharing of resources. Husbands and wives, okay, you both work, you make X amount of dollars, and you're still broke. You know why? Because you're not together. Here's what the Bible says. Here's the key to, to changing that. Where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst. Come on, say it. Where two? Come on, say it like you mean it. Come say, where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst. I told the pastor the other day, I said, you got the wrong group of people. You need another group. That group will never unite. That group's never, never ever going to help you get there. You've worked on jobs and seen this. So this revelation that I came to, I thought about it. I said, wow, that's a powerful revelation. The four times in the Bible when they built buildings, they didn't pay, they didn't pay a mortgage. The tabernacle, they paid for cash. When Solomon built the temple, they paid cash. When, Jeremiah, when, when Nehemiah rebuilt the wall, they paid what? Cash. And when they rebuilt the temple after it was burned down, they paid cash. There's no biblical example. And many parts of the world, it's not even possible to have a mortgage. So why do we, we're spending 12% of our income on mortgage. Is that, is that okay? Come on, is that, is that smart? You gotta, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. If you're going to do it, do it low. Right? That's an almost clap. Come on, come on, everybody. You hear what I'm saying? What, what I'm trying to say is, if you got to do it, at least try to do it smart. You want the lowest percentage. Some of you say, man, that'd be good if I was paying 12% of my income on a mortgage. You know, thank God it's not 25 like it is in 30% in a lot of churches, and that's exactly where it ends up. So here's what you got to decide. you got to at some point pull on the brakes, say, wait a minute, think about this. What can we do now that's smart? The first thing you have to do is be courageous enough to challenge people. Courageous enough to say, if you want to build a future, you decide what kind of future you want. You decide how you want to think. You decide. And when you make that decision... Then you have to take the patient steps and you must believe that you're supposed to be. You got to think like you are. You got to act like you are. You got to talk like you are. And you have to give yourself to this like you are. And when a group of people do that, it's amazing. As I close, let me look at what you can, what can determine your future. Three things, and I'll come back to these another time, I promise. I'm just going to touch them now. <clears throat> First of all, what determines your future is how you manage your famine seasons. I'm not going to read it, but in Genesis 12 and 10, Abraham steps into a famine. Surprising. He does every, listen to this carefully, he does everything God told him to do. Everything. And he still has a famine. Everything. Every single thing. <clears throat> I can think of a real good illustration right now. We sent some kids on a singles trip. We did everything we could do. Checked our buses. We serviced them faithfully. And that dumb thing broke down. I was mad as a firecracker. I sent another bus to pick them up. Thank you, Jesus. Then I had to pay the tow to the dumb bus back. 
Thank you, Jesus. But you know what I'm doing? I'm getting another bus in Jesus' name. Come on, come on, amen. I'm getting another bus. I'm getting rid of that thing. It's been, man, it's been, if you look at it, it looks so good. <laughs> it, you got to walk on it. It just looks good. It smiles at you when you see it. But that's it. I'm bearing it in Jesus' name. I'm going to put it in the ground. I'm going to trade it in, sell it. I'm getting, not going to sell it because I don't know who I'm going to sell it to, but you know, I'm gonna get, they're going to get it back in Jesus' name. Paid for, been paid for for years. Cost about $80,000. Say, say, don't be afraid. Come on, say, don't be afraid. And I got another one, but I'm, I'm, this is what I'm saying. Sometimes you can do God's will and still run into a famine. You can do everything right, raise your kids right, treat them right, love them, go to school with them, and then they call you and your child's on the video stealing something. You just don't believe that's your child. Is that my child stealing something on the video smiling, looking dumb? That's my big head, boy. I know that's my boy. Didn't I tell you? I gave you $50 a day. What you stealing? You only got 10 Got your name in lights. But you got to manage those families. We'll come back to that another time. Number two, how, this is what determines your future. How honest you are during your famine seasons. You have to say, this is the truth. Don't lie. This is, this is be honest about a famine. Some of your marriages, some of your life, some of your situations, you're in a famine. Admit it. Abraham goes to Egypt during a famine. He gets there. His wife is so fine. He tells her, lie now. Tell them that you're not my wife. And so they won't kill him. So he lies. Pharaoh starts flirting with his wife, almost starts, wants to marry her, and finds out he's been lied to because something happens. Watch this now. The Bible said in chapter 12 of Genesis, verse 14, I'm sorry, verse 17, the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his household. At the bottom of your notes. He plagued Pharaoh and his household with plagues because of Sarah. So let me read you these again because I want to make sure I get it right. Number one, how you manage your famine, that determines your future. How honest you are during those seasons, that determines your future. And here's another one, how long you're willing to be silent when you're wrong. Abraham was silent, didn't say a word. You know why? Because as long as he was lying, Pharaoh was blessing him. Gave him sheep, oxen, put him on staff, gave him money. <laughs> he said, don't tell me, my sister. Don't, don't, don't say nothing yet. All these blessings are coming. So he lied. Sometimes you lie until you get caught. And he got caught and Pharaoh said, you know what? Leave. Look at the closing note. For Pharaoh to have a future, he had to separate from Abraham. That's a shame. It's a shame when you're a saved person, know God, and somebody got to separate from you just so they can have a peace of mind. I thought it was an amazing story that has an amazing truth. What kind of future are you building? God was trying to get Abraham to build a future. But he was tempted to go astray. He found his way back. But are you right now in a place where God's trying to build a future for you, but you are kind of blocking the plan? Next week, we're going to talk about where have we been and where we're going at our homecoming sermon. You don't want to miss it. And I want to talk about where you have you been and where are you going. That's next week. It's going to be, that one's going to be a hot sermon. You don't want to miss it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the word. Thank you for all that's been said. We give you praise and glory for it. We pray for people in this room who don't know your Savior, who need to make a, make a change in their lives, who've lost their way, who need to find Jesus, who need to say, you know, I need a real relationship with the living God. I need to start a life with God, and I need to do it today. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you say, Pastor, that's me, pray for me. Pray for me today because I know I need to start a relationship with Jesus today.
I want you simply to raise your hand so I can pray for you. Anybody said pray for me. I see your hand. Anybody else said pray for me? There's two, there's three, there's four, there's five, there's six. Anybody else? There's seven, there's more. God bless you. Touch these lives. Touch these people. Let this be the beginning of a new life for them. Those who are watching at home as well, touch them. And may this be the change they need. And we give you all the glory and all the honor in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for coming. Let me